Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Everybody, it's David Nagel. Welcome to the Successful Mind Podcast. Today, I'm doing a little bit of a dive into Thomas Troward, uh, the affirmative power, and the, the the truth as being a real manifestation to all things. Um, in his book, The Hidden Power, if you've never if you've never read Troward's book, The Hidden Power, you should. It's a must read. It's a must read. Some of it's a little bit difficult, but there's some really great stuff in here. In chapter four, he's got something called affirmative power. And this is what I kind of want to bring to this today. He says, thoroughly to realize the true nature of affirmative power is to possess the key to the great secret. We feel its presence in all of the innumerable forms of life by which we are surrounded, and we feel it as the life in ourselves. And at last, someday the truth bursts upon us like a revelation that we can wield this power, this life, by the process of thought. And soon as, we're, as soon as we see this, the importance of regulating our thinking begins to dawn upon us. Now, when, when I read this the first time, it had to be probably about eight years after I had my first experience with, with significantly changing something about myself. And it's funny because all the different literature that I've gone through, it'll talk about some idea, some experience uh, that, that puts you in touch with another side of yourself that's not there. Napoleon Hill talked about it in Think and Grow Rich. And I remember thinking that I was in such a place of despair I had no idea how I was going to get out and turn around anything in my life. Not making any money, got all kinds of problems going on. And, I mean, if you listen to the podcast before, you know the story, right? So I was a, I was a forklift driver in the, in, in the back of this trailer. I had like an, a, a major meltdown one night. Uh, and this idea comes to my mind, change your, change your attitude. So I, this, is where, this is where I start. The... The change that I made was the, was three things. I changed. I act like I love what I did. I did every job to the best of my ability, and I treated people with total respect. But the part that I want to get to here with, with what Troward is talking about was the after effect of this, because I don't always talk about that that much in, in, in too much detail. But the idea is this. I did not... I did not go set a goal to increase my income. I wanted to increase my income. I was hoping that I could go from twenty thousand a year to forty thousand a year. I ended up going from twenty to sixty-two, and it and it happened in thirty days. And the the crazy thing the crazy thing about it was that yes, the the money was top of mind, but but even more above that was to get out of the circumstance that I had created, to, to find a way out of the bad decisions that I had made. Um, so I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, say, uh, six weeks later with my first paycheck uh, from this new, this new job that I have. And I'm looking at my name next to 
the equivalent of sixty-two thousand a year, and I'm and I'm I'm stunned. I'm actually I'm I'm shocked that my name is next to these numbers. It didn't it didn't cross my mind at all that I could get to that number, let alone have it happen so instantaneously in my life, and. This is what actually started to get me thinking because I was thinking to myself, I know I did something. I know that I somehow caused something to happen to create this effect that I'm currently having in my life. It was not luck. And there were a lot of people around me that that basically were telling me that it was luck. But I knew there was something in my being. And this is what Troward's saying in here. Let Let me read this to you again. He says, thoroughly to realize the true nature of affirmative power is to possess the key to the great secret. We feel its presence in all the innumerable forms of life by which we are surrounded, and we feel it as the life in ourselves. And at last, someday, the truth bursts upon us like a revelation that we can wield this power this life by the process of thought. And as soon as we see this, the the importance of regulating our thinking begins to dawn upon us. We ask ourselves what this thought process is, and we find that it is thinking affirmative force into forms which are the product of our own thought. We mentally conceive the form, and then we think life into it. Now, if you'd have told me that that's what I did that night in the back of that trailer, I wouldn't have even comprehended what it is that you were talking about. But later on, I found out that that's exactly what I did. But because the result came, it caused me to think about what could possibly change if I knew what I was doing. Because I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea how my life changed that fast, that radically. And I suppose if you're a person sitting on the outside and you were looking in, it could, you could very easily say, like very easily say, dude, you got lucky. You, got a, you recognized a lucky break. You slipped in that sucker and you got it, right? Okay. Okay. I'll buy that. I'll buy that for a moment. But the thing is, is that because I became aware that my thinking was somehow linked to this, even if it was just to say yes to an opportunity that I saw, what changed after that was significant enough to not link it to luck because now my thought process changed. I started thinking about what I could actually do if I knew what I was doing. So one of the first things that I realized was I didn't know what I was doing. I realized that very quickly. And I realized I needed to find out, but I didn't even know where to look. I remember going to the library, right? There was no Amazon back in those days. I had to go to the library. And I didn't know where to look. I didn't know what book to look for. I didn't know what section. I started picking up biographies of people and kind of thumbing through those. That didn't quite feel right. Um... I was starting to pick up some some books on tape, and I was listening to them. So here I am, I'm searching, right? I'm searching for something that is going to kind of spark my mind and say, this is what happened. This is what you did, right? Uh, And 
I remember the thing that probably the thing that probably that jumped it the most was when I came across Tony Robbins' personal power uh, stuff back in '93. Because he was directly speaking to the fact that you could change your life in 30 days uh, on those tapes. And I was, I was glued to those tapes, listening to it. But even with Tony, there was something about it that was missing. There was another question that I had. I couldn't formulate the question. I couldn't tell you what it was. But I knew that I would knew it if I heard it. So I kept going down this process. Now let's think about what Trower's saying here. He says, this must always be the nature of the creative process on whatever scale, whether on a grand scale of a universal cosmic mind or on a miniature scale in the individual mind, the difference is only in the degree and not the kind. We may picture a mental machinery by which this is done in a way that best satisfies our intellect. And the, the, the satisfying of the, of the intellect on this point is the potent factor in giving us that confidence in our mental action without which we can affect nothing. But the actual externalism is the result of something more powerful than merely intellectual apprehension. And that's what, that's what was going on. Um, the one piece that I carried over, so I have this experience, I manifest this, this job, this position. Uh, in in skill set, it was pretty much a lateral move. In impact, it was, it was like by the power of 10. And then I start very quickly rising the ladder at this new company. But my whole attitude changed about everything that I was doing. Now, I recognized that if I thought I could do something, all of a sudden I could do it. Now, I couldn't have told you that, right? All I know is that that's what I was experiencing. And it was, I was like on this unbelievable high for a very long time because I was taking on challenges that I had no idea how I was going to accomplish and I was pulling them off. And I was doing it one after another, after another, after another. Again, still, I don't know what I'm doing, right? If you asked me to sit down and explain this, I couldn't. And I'm, and I'm also noticing that people are watching me very closely because you have to remember, I'm a guy that is like, if you would, I wouldn't say I was a complete loser, but I was close at that point. Uh, I had made a lot of really bad decisions and I had the fruits of, of, of those in my life. To go from that, right? So let me just draw this picture a little bit more. Went bankrupt, car repossessed, have to leave apartment in the middle of the night with your family because you can't afford it anymore, run 60 miles across town to find something cheaper that's not in a good neighborhood, constantly being reprimanded at work, um, not doing my best, miserable, like emotionally miserable, just an absolute miserable person to, to be around. I was angry at everybody because I was angry at myself. I didn't even know that those two things were connected. Um, and it was, it was affecting every area of my life. To go from that to being positive, to being assertive, to doing a great job, so much so that I'm recognized by just about everybody in the company. The people are coming up to me telling me how great of a job that I'm doing. I'm breaking records in the new company left and right. Just because I'm thinking like, here's a challenge, I'll do this. Here's a challenge, I'll do this. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know 
how to fail, where to fail, how to break through. I didn't know what was what was perceived as good, what was perceived as not good. I just kept doing more of the thing that got me out of that trailer. And that was directing how I was thinking to a specific end and not giving up until I got the end. He said, it's the result of the inner mental state, which for a better word, we may call the emotional conception of ourselves. It is the self which we feel ourselves to be, which takes forms of our own creating. For this reason, our thought must be so grounded upon the knowledge that we shall feel the truth of it and thus be able to produce in ourselves the mental attitude of feeling, which corresponds to the condition which we desire to externalize. Then he says this, we cannot think into manifestation a different sort of life to that which we realize in ourselves. As Horace says, nemo dot qua non abat, we cannot give what we have not got. Now let me tell you what my experience here in this, this one part that he's talking about. He says, for this reason, our thought must be so grounded upon the knowledge that we shall feel, feel inside the truth of it and thus be able to produce in ourselves that mental attitude of feeling which corresponds to the condition which we desire to externalize. Now, let me tell you how I experienced this. It was this weird-ass knowing that if I locked on to something, I could do it. But I had no reference in my life that I could do it. Nothing. I had absolutely nothing. My first big breakthrough was getting out of that trailer. And I did not understand from a cause and effect perspective. It wasn't like I set a goal. I worked at it. I read books. I got better. I I progressively moved. I got approval. I got promoted. It wasn't anything like that. It was here I am in this trailer, down and out, absolutely miserable and exhausted. And 30 days later, I'm working for a completely different company, tripling my income and climbing the ladder rapidly. That's my experience. So now I'm looking at how can I keep going? How can I keep going? And I would lock on to these different objectives. But the weird thing about it was that where doubt and worry, uncertainty, lack of confidence existed before, it was gone. It was almost totally gone. And it was like, I know that I can hit this objective. I know that I could hit this goal. I was getting big accounts for the company. I was producing more than other people ever produced. I was the first person that got promoted out of kind of like the rank and file to go into management. And I I I was eager. I was hungry. I was young. I was full of energy. But this knowing that Troward is talking about here is this is this magical principle, and it's not, it's not magic. I, I, I really shouldn't use that word, but it, it feels like it because when you recognize this inside of yourself, all of a sudden, it's like the world around you begins to change dramatically. The reality that you once knew begins to shift. So then he goes on with this, and he says, And on the other hand, we can never cease creating forms of some sort by our own mental activity. 
thinking life into them. This point must be very carefully noted. We cannot sit still, producing nothing. The mental machinery will keep on turning out work of some sort, and it rests with us to determine of what sort it shall be. In our entire ignorance, in our entire ignorance or imperfect realization of this, we create negative forms and think life into them. Now, that's the thing that I moved out of. Because prior to this happening, and I became so acutely aware that somehow I was doing this because the contrast was so stark. Prior to this change, I'm experiencing a lot of negativity happening in my life. At that time, I don't know that I'm creating it. But some weird thing flipped in me when I broke out that I started to think to myself, I somehow or another, I was creating all of those things that were going bad in my life. Because it was almost like if you took and waved a magic wand over a person's life and it was trouble and despair and doom and gloom and you wave this wand and then everything is great and happy on the other side. That's, that's about as stark as it actually gets. So I'm like, well, if I'm creating this new thing, I must have been creating the old thing. But again, the piece that eluded me was how. The only three principles that I, that I stuck to the most and which served me very, very well was that I act like I loved what I did. Now, I will tell you, that got easier because as I was making more money and things looked good, uh, I was more enthusiastic about what I was doing, just naturally enthusiastic about what I was doing. But doing everything to my best, which I realized was getting better on a daily basis. I would do my best and I would try to find a way to push past it. And then I'd do my best there and try to find a way to push past it. And do my best there and try to find a way to push past it. And then just treat people well. Um, in most of my life, I did not treat people bad. But when my attitude started to go down the tubes, I was not treating people well. I was snapping at people. I was angry. I was, I was hyper-judging other individuals, which I did grow up a, a, around a lot of that where I came from. Uh, it was almost like it was a weird social skill in some sense. Uh, but really, that wasn't what my personality was. So getting back to treating people well, that part was, really wasn't that difficult for me. But now I have a contrast. I have this contrast that Troward's talking about. This is what I'm experiencing. So he goes on. We create forms of death, sickness, sorrow, trouble, and limitation of all sort, and then think life into these forms, with the result that, however non-existent in themselves, to us they become realities and throw their shadow across the path, the path which would otherwise be bright and the many-colored beauties of innumerable flowers and glory of the sunshine. So it's one or the other. My attitude was the life-giving energy that I was breathing into what I was doing, whether it was bad when it was bad or good when it was good. So then he talks about how this doesn't need to be. He said, it is giving to the negative an affirmative force which does not belong to it. Consider what this means by the negative. It is the absence of something. Now, let's, let's look at what I was doing. And you might want to ask yourself, what are you doing, right? When you have negativity, are you, are you talking about it? Are you speaking 
about the negativity? Are you experiencing it emotionally? Are you looking for it unconsciously like you're recognizing it everywhere? Are you finding verification of why it's happening? Are you looking for things to blame or at least things to be causing what it is? That's exactly what I was doing. And I was putting that kind of energy into what I was doing on a daily basis. And it got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. I mean, it rapidly got worse. But see, that's the truth about, that's, a, that's really the truth about the whole thing though, isn't it? We're either growing or we're dying. Nothing is staying the same. So whatever energy we're putting into what we're doing is going to determine whether that thing is growing or dying, whether it's increasing or decreasing. Are we getting happier or sadder? Are we getting enthusiastic about life or are we getting depressed about life? Is our health getting better or is it getting worse? Are we making more money or less money? Are we having more sex or less sex? Are we having better sex or worse sex? Uh, are relationships getting better or are they getting worse? The, the pivot of all of this is the attitude in which we show up. It is the life-giving force that we're putting into the thing. The thing itself really has no life because we're the form of life that is putting that energy into it. He goes on to say, it is not being and is the absence of all that constitutes being. Left to itself, it remains in its own nothingness. And it only assumes form and activity when we give these to it by our thought. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? Here's a really good question that you can ask yourself with everything that you're experiencing. Why am I choosing to have this experience? Why am I choosing to have this experience? Now, I don't remember when I started asking that question, but it was early on. It was after the initial change, uh, but I think I picked it up in a book somewhere or in a seminar that I was listening to somewhere along the line. In the Probably in the early to mid-90s, I, I picked that up. But I was telling a group of people earlier today that it was one of the most significant things that I did and maintained that caused rapid change in me because what, I, what it created for me was it disconnected me from the idea that the thing was the problem and it put it squarely back on my shoulders. And then once I began to remove my own personal judgment from my own insecurities, my own lack of, of whatever I was doing, I then could see the power in changing it and I was getting to know that power intimately because I saw it change, I saw it change so rapidly. Like it was crazy how fast. He said, it's not the being and is the absence of all that constitutes being. Left to itself, it remains its own nothingness and only assumes the form and activity that we give to it by our thought. Here then is the great reason for practicing control over our thought. It is the one and only instrument that we have to work with. Do you know that thinking is the highest function that human beings have? It is. Thinking is the highest function that human beings have. Throughout all of history, all the great writers, all the great all the people have all done great things, have all agreed about one major thing. We become what we think about most of the time. In other words, the thought that we hold in our mind most of the time is actually what we become. The problem is, is that if the thoughts that are going on in your mind were placed there by somebody else, which it is for almost every other person, and you're not getting the results that you want— you have to change it with thoughts that you want to think. 
which means you have to seek out those thoughts. You have to seek out those behaviors, those attitudes, those values, uh, those ways of being. It's the one and only instrument we have to work with, but it is an instrument which works with the greatest certainty. For limitation, if we think of limitation, for enlargement, if we think of enlargement, our thought as feeling is the magnet which draws us to those conditions which accurately correspond to itself. This is the meaning of the saying that thoughts are things. But you might say, how can I think differently from the circumstances? Certainly you're not required to say that the circumstances at the present moment are what they are not. So say, I'm sorry, to say so would be untrue, but what is wanted is not to think from the standpoint of circumstances at all. Think from the interior standpoint where there are no circumstances and from all whence you can dictate what circumstances shall be and then leave the circumstances to take care of themselves. And that was it right there. That was it. For months, I would sit down at lunchtime with a pad of paper, a pencil, and a calculator and try to figure out every possible way to go from 20000 a year to 40000 Rack my brain doing it. What can I sell? What, what service can I offer? I remember I went out and bought a, a used Chevy Blazer with a snow plow on it, and I would, I would plow snow in the wintertime if I could make more monies plowing the snow than I could working overtime. Like, I was trying every scheme that I could find to make more money. But when I took my mind off all of that, and I changed my attitude, I took it off the circumstance, and I put it on the power source, which was myself. You're the power source. Put it on yourself. The attitude of being is the energy and the life that you put into things. That is the hidden power. That is the truth of real manifestation in all things. It is the, it is the determination, the desire, the attitude of mind, and the thought in which you hold it that you direct into any living thing or any static thing or any circumstantial thing that will literally create the life that you want the result that you want. And I will tell you something. I have watched, I have worked with thousands of people for over the last 20 plus years. The people that have done this, in every, in every sense, do it quickly. And I am still shocked today with how fast a person can change their circumstances by changing the attitude of their mind and diligently putting it into the work that they're doing. From health, to, to money, to family, to relationships, to their business. I've watched things go from being on death's door to thriving in a very short period of time. I am so convinced that that life force that we have within us, if it is properly directed and intelligently directed, there's absolutely nothing that we can't accomplish. And for certain, there's nothing that we can't turn around. I hope you got a lot out of this. See you on the next Successful Mind podcast. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.